Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast. We call it Fantastival with myself, Stephen Nussbaum, in the podcast where I invite my guests to come on and talk to me all about their musical taste, their memories, their experiences, and they get to collect their fancy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. I'm finally back. It's been a while. With all the bank holidays over the last couple of weeks, the Fantastival took another break, but we are back. I hope everyone's had a lovely, lovely couple of weeks, and I hope you haven't missed the podcast too much and we are back with an absolute bang for episode 126 of the uh, Fantastical podcast. This week I don't have one guest or two guests or even three guests. I've got four amazing guests to introduce from the superb electricity. So let's start it all off. So first up I'm delighted to be joined by vocalist Ali McKinnell. Ali welcome to the Fantastical podcast mate. How are you doing? Very good thank you. Mate pleasure to have you on and I believe you're joining us from the lovely area that is Kent. That's, indeed I am, yeah, yeah, the Garden of Eden. <laughs> <laughs> All become relevant about locations the more we go into this podcast. Next up, I'm delighted to have joining is uh, Alex Meadows, bass player. Alex, welcome to the Fantastical Podcast. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Slightly more glamorous location, Alex, I think it's fair to say. Steady on. Yeah, uh, well, I'm not in the Garden of Eden. I'm on. Uh, I'm at the top of the Andes, ten miles north of Bogota, Colombia. As okay. you do. Yeah. Incredible, incredible. I used to live in Barnet. If you want some perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Barnet couldn't hold him. He's now in Colombia, live on the yeah. podcast. Delighted to have you join us, Alex. Next up, all the way from Los Angeles. Amazingly, we've got the other guitarist in the band, Nigel Nisbet. Nigel, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, all right. Good morning, whatever it is. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> and last but not least, indeed, he was first to join me on the Zoom call, last to be introduced, is joining me all the way from Wales, I believe, is the other guitarist in the band, Steve Atkins. That's it. Welcome, all of nice you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And I'm in Haverford West, Great. which is Pembrokeshire. Great to have you all on the podcast. So having four people from the same band uh, is quite an achievement. I'm delighted to have you all on. So I guess to get started, and obviously there's four of you to talk about, I guess let's just start with how were all your musical journeys and how did it all kind of fall into electricity? I guess to start with you, Ali, tell us about how you got into music and how you fell into the band. Yeah, just uh, found myself as a infant, really, loving music or the usual sort of Elvis Presley, probably. I know John Wayne wasn't a musical person, but I just all of those sort of... And then it just sort of progressed from there, like parents tasting music, Roxy Music, dad trying to put status quo on me, God forbid, but what, anyway. And then, yeah, and then sort of discovered as a young teenager, sort of early sort of hip-hop and breakdance, and then that moved in really when I met Steve. That progressed into blues music, which is what he was playing a lot of and kind of like 50s rock and roll and then that just progresses really and then obviously the 90 you know pj harvey you've got like the grunge scene and then Britpop, and there you are here we are that's pretty much it my sort of journey early on so yeah just all through the normal channels that music comes through i was a big fan of top of the pops and just loved yeah i suppose like pop music early pop and then yeah and then later i think i discovered the sort of classics like the zeppelins and the beatles and you know, all the stuff that everybody usually talks about probably came later for me and still discovering how brilliant all of that sort of music is now. And uh, yeah, it's just always followed me around. I love, you know, music's a big part of my life and 
and that's it really. So uh, I don't know what I'm doing with it. I'll rely on the others for that. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll don't, certainly get don't up. Rely on me. Jump around. Yeah. No, I don't rely on Steve, but I'll, for, for, for much of other things as well. Yeah. But. <laughs> and what about you, Alex? Were you always a bass player, or did your musical journey start on another instrument that's taken you through to the bass? I did start as a really young kid, sort of with a drum, and my parents had a piano. And then I got into the Beatles, so taught myself how to play the guitar and was pushed into playing the trumpet at school and then just ended up on the bass was like the fifth instrument that I attempted. And it's only got four strings. It's dead easy, isn't it? So <laughs> it was like, oh, this is this is easy. So I'll do that. So, um, yeah, basically, that's uh, how I started and did a degree in music, was being a professional musician when these guys came calling looking for a bass player. So that's how I joined the band. It was like they were already, you know, they're done in Here We Fall demos when I joined the band. So I'm, I'm the new boy. The new boy, the latest of the bunch. And what about you, Nigel? Always on the guitar and, and influences from an early age? No, 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 no. I'm the reason that Alex is in the band, basically, because I, I was originally the bass player. But um, so so interestingly, so I'm originally from Harrowford West, where Steve lives now, which is where I went to school with Jim and Paul, who were both obviously in electricity as well. So the three of us came from sort of West Wales. But but I originally played bass. I mean, I originally played violin and all that, but um, I was a bass player. But the big problem was when we played live, especially, I, I you know, I tend to perform at the front of the stage with Ali because I sing all the backing vocals and the two of us kind of, you know, it's fun. You, know, you get into it with the crowd. And basically, Paul got so fed up with my bass playing live because it just used to get so scrappy, right? Because I was sort of performing with Ali at the front of the stage that it was just kind of a bit of a mess. And and the other thing as well is, I, you know, writing the songs, you really want sometimes that sort of second guitar just kind of locking things in, which frees Steve up then to kind of become, become more experimental. So we kind of just, you know, Alex is the new boy. I mean, you've only been in the band, I think, about 20-something years now, Alex. So, you know, it's 24. just... Uh, <laughs> 24, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, very, very recent, you know. But, yeah, so I originally played bass, and then it was just... It's a lot easier when you write the songs and then play the guitar. You can kind of go, all right, here's how this goes, and then everyone kind of work off that, you know what I mean? So it was just kind of a double, and it means that the drummer didn't get too pissed off when I'm just leaping around the stage and playing so badly live. Um, it means that him and Alex can just lock it down at the back. So it was just kind of a win-win, really, um, and it you know definitely helped to shape things going forward, which was great. So yeah, that's... But yeah, for, for me and Paul and Jim, when we were growing up, Rush was our band. Uh, it's probably the most unrock and roll, uncoolest thing ever in the world, but we just were massive Rush fans, and I still... Rickenbackers, am I saying they're all here? A massive Geddy Lee fan, and still have lots of Rickenbacker bases. So, yeah, long musical journey, lots of fun, lots of awesomeness, and um, yeah, it's been been a fascinating thing. I feel like Rush, from being very uncool, have become cool over the last couple of years. So I was lucky enough to be at the um, Taylor Hawkins concert oh, right, uh, last year, right. and obviously, Rush. Well, what is left of Rush? The two remaining Rush members obviously played. Um, with Dave Grohl and the crowd went like mental for it. It's fantastic musically. Yeah, I mean, I knew if I waited long enough, it would become cool again. You know, it's just that's one of those things. You know, it's a bit like my sense of fashion. If I wait long enough, I'm sure it'll come in again. So yeah. <laughs> again, <laughs> again, yeah, good point. <laughs> and what about you, Steve? How how did how did you fall into playing the guitar? It, I think it was basically in uh, growing up in Dorset and. Um, 
know, obviously we didn't have internet or anything and people would just go to local pubs to watch bands and um we were really lucky to have this uh pub just down the road from where i lived called the railway inn in yetminster and um it was just like i was probably like age 13 14 no probably like 12 13 and um and there was there was like this guy called Matter Slater who would play there um in his own sort of band anyway like years later i found out he played for like stackridge who opened up glastonbury and it's like this was the level of talent that was like turning up at this pub just down the road and um that was like just mega inspiration to like to like music really and um that's probably how i basically wanted to play the guitar um watching other people play and having that energy and um and also there was uh, one of my best friends at the time lived a few doors away mick taylor who now does the the pedal show on youtube uh, which is a really big thing and so he was playing guitar and we used to sort of swap chops and stuff you know in his in his living room i didn't have a guitar at the time um maybe just like some silly little classical guitar he had an electric guitar and it was like oh god i've got to have one of those bit of live work you know doing the dishes at home and um, mum and dad put a bit towards a, my first guitar which was a k stratocaster from argos <laughs> and a absolute piece of shit but um <laughs> I ended up ripping the frets off of it because i got fed up with it and uh to make it into a fretless guitar and um that was that was fun for a while but got pretty boring and very hard to play in, in tune basically with chords um so i think that probably got sent to the dump (laughs) (laughs) um but in terms of um listening to music um my sister probably had i think my first real music was my sister playing abba on vinyl and i would like spin it around faster and make them sound like smurfs and that sort of thing but also radio loads of radio um on obscure it was almost like must have been like radio caroline white noise you know we i would hear all these songs weren't being played anywhere else and they would like have my headphones on all through the night basically listening to this stuff i didn't know who it was by and um that was actually quite an inspiration i think and i didn't even realize at the time it was just like all going inside uh, my head and somehow sort of comes out later on you know through the band and stuff um but also like in the band you know you you kind of widen your musical horizons through what everyone else is listening to. You know, like for me, first of all, it was Ali and, um, you know, that hip hop sort of thing initially. Uh, wet, wet, wet. <laughs> Do you remember Wet, 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 Ali? Is Ali listening? <laughs> I, I must admit, though, I, I, it's Steve that I probably grew up listening to a lot of. The, I mean, my mum was such a huge fan of the Eagles and, you know, just amazing songs great you know when i when i think about what i like to hear as a band now i talk about song type great harmonies great singers great guitarists and just a great sounding album i i can probably go back to being you know seven or eight years old and hearing that music that my mum would be blaring out in her car and then obviously going on a bit of a journey of my own but really going to an assembly at st Alden's school at about the age of 13 and sitting down i don't know if it was a christmas or a or whatever steve i don't know and then the curtains opened up and there was steve and mick 
and Paul Stevenson, and I believe, was it Emma on drums at that time? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Good memory. Blimey. And, and they just started up with, like, Johnny Be Good or, or, um, or some little Richard Tulsa Classic. Time and or something. I had never seen live music, and that just transported me, like, that noise and that energy and those guitars and that just, that cacophony of sound and the energy. And that's, that's really, that was like a pivotal moment. So Steve, you're a pivotal person in my life. And that, yeah. And then from there, it was, it's been a sort of collaboration with all sorts of people, different people in life, really from, you know, the early days with Steve and Mick and then Steve and I have always sort of stuck together. And then obviously meeting Nige and, uh, he brought in Paul and Jim from it. And then you just got, it's just like a big sort of kaleidoscope and you suddenly realise that you're all, you're in a melting pot and you're creating something of your own, but you're all, those influences are coming in from different directions, really. And, but I think it, that it, the, the essence of what electricity is now, when I, even the new single, funnily enough, A Million Pictures, I, to me, that's what we are. It's like this fanfare of guitars and screaming Hammond and a great melody, almost well sung. Almost, but you know, who wants to be that good anyway? Um, but you know, just and then you can just you can almost feel that now. I can hear the band playing that live, you know, um, and we haven't even been in the same room as each other for God knows how many fifteen years. I don't know, whatever it is, and you just know it's going to be awesome, you know. And that's yeah, that's 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 what it is. Steve was really pivotal for me and. Uh, I love the live thing and just the energy of music, and it's just, it's never left, really. So I guess going off the backstory, you all came together and obviously had, I'd say, fairly moderate success in the late 90s. Obviously, a few decent albums when you had to be signed to a label to get your music out there. A few charting mm. singles. I mean, I could obviously do like a four-hour podcast with all of you because it sounds like you've all got some really exciting and interesting stories to tell. But I guess to try and sum it up, late 90s kind of came and went, and in electricity kind of parted to a certain extent did you say partied or parted both i think a, a mixture of the two we definitely partied that's for sure uh, <laughs> we were on the road a lot we had a great tour manager i yeah i don't know it was it seems also brief when you look back at it now there's a there's there's a book being written about that period and somebody else's sort of experience of coming from where we came from that part of the West Country, uh, the 80s, the 90s, and the sort of Britpop movement, and then how that transitioned into the 2000s and the dawn of, you know, the real explosion of the internet and digital music. So there is this, I can't remember where I was going with this, but no, I've just totally gone. I, I, um, I think what you were kind of saying, you would say, like, at the time, at, right now you look back on it and it feels really brief, but at yes, the time, that, it didn't feel brief at all. I mean, really, I mean, because... We had some success in the UK, obviously, in the late 90s, but then we went to the States um, with Cosmic Castaway and stuff in some movies like Renegades and, and you know, it was in, Renegades was in Monkey Bone, Cosmic Castaway was in Titan AE. So we toured heavily in the States, and it really wasn't until 2002 that everything for us kind of started to wind down as whatever. It's well documented in many places, but just uh, second record company collapsed <laughs> on us uh, with Arista kicking out Clive Davis. And just, you know, it wasn't, I, I, to be honest, we never split up as a band. I mean, we just like, suddenly we found ourselves on four different continents and no record company. And you, you're faced with a choice, right? Either you all move back into the same 
apartment that you once lived in in London, which just wasn't going to happen at that point because, like, Jim's in Australia, I'm in L.A., or you just kind of go, well, I guess we've got to kind of do something else, which we did. But then, of course, more recently, then technology has suddenly allowed us to kind of basically do it all again and not be in the same room, which has been phenomenal. So we partied, yes, partied, no, never. And really, it was like we were just... We were just waiting for technology. Like I said, you know, if we just wait long enough, stuff will kind of come around. Right? So basically, technology caught up to us, and now we've been able to function again. It's a yeah. funny thing, though, with the technology thing. It's, it's that, like, um, even though, you know, we're living thousands of miles apart, it's still, because we did all that stuff early on yeah. in yeah. the same room, it's like that distance is irrelevant. Yeah. Because yeah, you're, tra- you're, you're tracking, yeah. and it's like, you're hearing like what everyone else is playing um, through the technology, you know, on individual tracks. I've got Nigel's guitar. I can change volumes up and down because Nigel will send through all the tracks, you know, Ali's vocal. So I've got full control over that. And then you feel like you're in the same room with them. Mm. It's, that, it's that good, you know. But I think you only get that feeling because we did it back yeah. in the day so much. And it feels yeah. like you've... You've still got that very strong connection as a band, even though we're miles well, apart. I'd just like to say, <clears throat> at this point, I'm going to leave the band. <laughs> right now. Okay? Winning again. So, so we did part in yeah. 2023, but only so I could go swimming with my daughter. <laughs> so there we go. That's how rock and roll I am. So I'll see you, you all later. Swimming. <laughs> Have a lovely evening. Thank you, Alex. Yeah. Cheers, Alex. See you later. Bye-bye. See you later. So Alex has left the podcast to take his daughter swimming in Colombia. So this podcast gets more insane by the episode, which is delightful. So <laughs> amazing to have Alex on. So let's, I guess, skip to current day then. So new single, A Million Pictures, has just come out recently. Great single, gentlemen. Really catchy. Great melody. Great tune. Tell us about how that, I guess, as a starting point came came about. Um, I guess I'll kick off and then everyone kind of leap in. So, I mean... I think it's it's obviously it is the first single, but I think more importantly is just the fact that we we actually put out an album. What was it about two years or so ago? Which was kind of like, a, hey, what about all these bits that we never quite finished or unreleased B sides? And that kind of kicked things off and got rolling. And, and from that, it was like, okay, we want to record again. Let's do some new stuff. And I think the the fun thing is just that that process for me, certainly really kicked off a very prolific writing period again, which I hadn't done really in 20 years. I mean, Ali remembers this well. I've heard you talk about it recently, Ali, and it's really cool. But you know, sometimes I'll just get into this kind of zone where I'll just start writing and it'll just be multiple songs a day sometimes. And I hadn't done that for a long time, like really just written like that. And this song, Million Pictures, was one where I actually took an old idea that I'd had knocking around for a long time but then just one day just totally ran with it in a completely new direction. And suddenly here was this new song. And lyrically, it's awesome. It actually happens to sort of reference my wife, who actually does have a lot of pictures on her phone. So it's kind of, you know, lyrically, it's actually talking about this idea that if you think about our grandparents' generation, right, they might have, their entire lifetime might have been captured in 10 or 15 photographs. Our parents or whatever, you know, maybe a few hundred, a few thousand, but now I look at my kids, they're going to have a million pictures, right, that's going to capture a lifetime. So it, the song is kind of expressing this sentiment of kind of like, hey, I want to have a lifetime with you, right? I want to share a million pictures with you. But what's so cool is that, you know, when you look at it then in the context of the band, 
you start to see that it's kind of like, it's almost like a metaphor for what we've gone through as well, where we've shared this huge amount of time together. And there's this, um, you know, I know we're working on the video right now, and you sort of see this, this string of images, and you're like, oh my God, it's like, not only, yeah, sure, it's sort of more of a personal thing, but you see it through the context of the band over this time with these images capturing this sort of lifetime of stuff. And that's, you know, that's kind of the, the if you like, the lyrical inspiration there. But yeah, I mean, fundamentally, it's a fun song to play. Like Ali said, it jangles and crunches and it's got a melody that kind of like, you know, bashes around. I, just like Ali said, I cannot wait to play it live. That is one of the songs that I just know it's going to happen. It's been about four weeks or so. We're going to be in a room together for the first time rehearsing for these shows. And I just know that song is going to be one that we're just going to start playing and it's just going to go bang. So I am, there you go. I'll leave it for the rest of you to take it from there. But that's kind of the, the genesis of it. But yeah, I can't wait for that. And I guess, guys, how are you feeling about the show? So you've got two shows lined up. Thursday the 22nd of June at the Frog and Fiddle. Uh, I think Nigel Clark's playing with you for that one, or is supporting this, who's yeah. been on this podcast before. Obviously, he's got an amazing repertoire of songs. And then the day after, you're coming to London, the Big Smoke, Friday, 23rd of June, at the Prolific 100 Club, which is a amazing venue, very historic and supported by City Lights, who are another great band. How are you feeling about that? Because I didn't realise how split you all were, and I didn't realise you was, hadn't seen each other for or been in the same room for that amount of time. So... I imagine it's like a mixture of excitement, nerves, anticipation. Tell us, I guess, how you're feeling about the, the live gigs. I can't, I can't personally wait. I think some, uh, uh, to begin with, a little bit of trepidation. It's one thing, to be honest, I think I got a little bit sort of, you know, a couple of months ago, there was some talk of doing maybe an acoustic thing over here for a radio station and, Steve had contact, would you be up for doing a couple of three songs? And I was like, yeah, we'd, we'd do that. And then suddenly that's turned into 15, 20 song sets of songs we haven't done for 20 years. And the full on, we've got, you know, we've got a drummer and we've got the whole band coming here. And it's like, okay, but now it's just a game. It's just like anything, a bit of a game of numbers, sort of sitting down with the guitar every day, pair of headphones on, get that, get the voice going uh, and you know, it's it's sort of still there. It's sort of muscle memory, and I think it'll be great. We'll only make a really good, loud noise. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. It's just, you know, it's going to be so much fun to hear it. Uh, and I think the fun thing is we're doing, you know, all the sort of old songs, all the sort of the big ones, but we're doing some of the new ones as well. And I think what's, I mean, for us, playing live has always been a massive part of what the band has been about. Right? It's just always been a, a big thing for us. That energy, that live energy has always been an amazing thing. And what I'm hearing that I think is really cool is that all these songs were sort of, I, I can just hear the sound of it's really gelling. I know it seems weird to say that after 20 whatever the heck years, <laughs> nearly 30 years, like finally, our sound's really coming together. It's a bad thing, but it kind of is, right? I know it sounds daft. But yeah, it's nearly 30 years. Good God, we met in 1994. You know, like, but I, it, it is. It's, and, I, and I can feel that happening live where you've got songs which maybe when they were recorded sound a bit more disparate, right? Like, say, Angel from Beautiful Insane and Cosmic Castaway from In Here Before. That's quite a different sound. But I can just hear how when we put all this together live, it's just, it's just going to gel in a way that maybe um, it's going to be cool. So I can't wait. Can't wait for it myself. It's going to be fantastic. Great stuff. And I think we've got 
circle with, you know, when I think back to sort of those early days with you on the bass, Nigel, and maybe Rainey on the Hammond there very early on in, in Bridport rehearsing in someone's, you know, it's, we're sort of back there really. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. With, uh, absolutely armed, yeah, we're just armed with a little bit more, where well, you, you hope, obviously the, the songwriting and the ability to deliver it, but well, all will be revealed soon, but um, it will be great. <laughs> It That's the thing, isn't it? It's like something that uh, Pete uh, said, Pete Trainer, who's actually um, working on a bit of a, an electricity thing at the moment. I uh, um, can't really say too much about that right now. But um, he said, oh, it's like you guys are just nuts. Your, your first album was like your experimental album right. that most bands do for their third or fourth, you know. Mm. <laughs> and then you can think, yeah, actually, like, I mean you know, bloody amazing to do that. And it's like, but I think it put the Frighteners at the record company, MCO. Oh, yeah. You know, they just didn't know what to do with it. And so that was part of the problem that we had was it was, um, it was, it was going, it, it wasn't like a simple album. As, as no. much as it had like amazing things happening on it and things that are timeless, like Beautiful Insane. And, and now, like, you hit, you listen to the lyrics and uh, the, with the vocoder, and it's so of its time with all the AI technology that's coming out now that everyone's frightened about. And that's totally what the lyrics are mm. representing. Nigel wrote this, like, before any of this stuff was invented, <laughs> you know, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, we've, do we've done our albums in a funny order, you know. It's like, it feels like we're sort of doing our debut now. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, we are we the Benjamin Button of music? Yeah, I think maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. We've gone from highly experimental to, I, you know, obviously right now we've just got the one single that's come out. But when this whole album comes out, I do think it's our most cohesive sounding record today. Yeah. It really is, yeah. you know, and it's weird how we've gone from something that you can get, you can probably get a real handle on this record and go like, oh, okay, I kind of get what Electricity are doing. And our debut album was like wildly out there with, you know, like today's the day probably being the epitome of that where you've got sk1 sampler in the verse with the drums recorded down a fifth and then sped back you know just i know that was the chorus that the whole band was recorded slower and then sped up or was it recorded fast and slowed down i can't remember whatever it was like recorded and i had i remember playing with one bit of guitar to sort of link these two sections together and it just had to be done by hand because there was no other way of putting it you know so i just hopefully had to get the timing right and we had to have a few attempts at that and that was our debt that was our first album it was like this weirdly experimental thing um for you know various reasons whatever it just is that's just and we, of, and we, we were, were into it it was exciting it but just, we were also we were spending a long time um recording that album yeah it was, i mean how long was it was it like six months or i don't know something like that yeah, yeah. which yeah. is like and, and you look at what we're doing like wide for dreaming the third album was like i was looking at my little diary and it was like shit we did like the bulk of that in like Two weeks. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And then there were no, a we definitely of songs I think you're right, Ali. We are the Benjamin Button of bands. That's exactly <laughs> By the time you get on that stage at 100 Club, you'll be just like some 10 year old children lining up and That's people it. be like, what's going on here? <laughs> so those gigs, right? Tickets are still available, I'm guessing, I'm presuming. So if anyone wants to get a ticket, 
links can be found on your social media pages or on any kind of good Absolutely. ticketing website. So get yourself along to that. That's going to be an absolute two amazing nights of music. And like I said before, you've got a new album coming out, To The Other Side, that comes out in July. You, my guys, must be really excited about that and obviously putting out an album of new material, like you said. Yeah, for me, it's like, can't wait. I, it, again, I think it, it's how it's come about as well in uh, the, the technology thing. And, you know, I, I did an interview last week and, you know, the guy uh, the guy had no idea. He'd heard a million pictures. And when I told him that we hadn't been in the same room together for mm. some, you know, 20 years, he, he just you could tell he just couldn't quite get his head around that. And, you know, we've done a whole album. And really, you know, thanks to Nigel, his sort of, you know, he spent probably this dormant period we've had over the last sort of decade and a half he's been honing his skills as uh, i guess as a in a, pro- a production fact and so that's sort of come that's coming so you've got the songwriting angle and then obviously once you start i mean i jumped on board pretty early and then really it all just sort of came in behind that so yeah i mean the result's great i'm really proud of what the band's achieved with the new record i can't wait for people to hear it I think what's really fascinating as well is slightly sort of an ironic twist. In some ways, of course, it was technology that was very responsible for the fact that we had to break up, basically, because of the whole downloading thing. The music industry just fell apart. We were very much a victim of that time period, right, where Arista were basically internally having a war, basically, about whose fault it was that sales were down 50%. And, you know, all the record companies at that point just couldn't, like, get their heads around what was going on so very much we were a bit of a victim of that time as the technology advanced but then of course now we're kind of then a, if you like a beneficiary of the technology um yeah. as what's happened now over the last decade or so like Ali said I mean I'm sitting here right now I know you can see the guitars behind me but in front of me is a pretty simple studio I mean basically it's a computer and stuff and it's just unbelievable what you can achieve with that these days and I think I think yeah it's like the fun thing is though to be able to make music that has personality, right? That, that that transcends the technology. It's not like the technology is limiting or, or sort of a pain. It's like once you get used to it enough, it becomes a tool that you can use to really make that personality leap out. And I think that's that's what's been so fun about listening to this new album. So yeah, I can't wait for the whole thing to come out as well because I think there, I mean, Million Pictures is a great song, but then you've got stuff like I Tried, which that's, we've got this uh, gal who played violin on it, Julia Violinista. Um, she's done a whole lot of Britpop stuff, and she did um, just an amazing strings kind of track for us, which was like a bed. Actually, she plays it like again, but it's a technology thing, right? She plays, I think, four different tracks and layers them all up, and then that was the bed over which I sort of worked then to sort of um, do this song. So yeah, there's a lot of really cool, exciting stuff on this album, which is going to be very, very fun when that finally it's out there so not long now i think what middle of july for the final release of everything so yeah get in there looking forward to listening to it so that comes out on july the 15th i'm led to believe unless i'm wrong and obviously that's have it the, yeah, the, the, yeah. Right. Before that. and i guess physical release on that i've obviously went to your band camp and saw you advertising the digital aspects of it but will there be a physical release as well We've been sort of chatting about um, possibility of um, getting enough pre-orders to do vinyl, um, which seems probably more feasible than CD to begin with. Or we do a short run of CDs. Not sure, really. It's like, um, oh, what do you do? 
we're definitely you know, go along. Everyone's dreaming. Well, yeah. not everyone, but <laughs> when like 95% of people are downloading and streaming, it makes it hard to like put the physical products out there unless you can get the pre-orders and um, make it work that way. I guess talking about streaming, all your older stuff or most of your older stuff is available to stream, right? So all your older stuff can be found if anyone is listening to this interview and hasn't heard of the band and wants to go back and have a listen. All your older stuff can be found on Spotify. You obviously mentioned being on a few soundtracks earlier before and I think the Cosmic Castaway has is, is got a ludicrous amount of streams because it was on a fairly big soundtrack or continues to be listened to very widely because of the soundtrack or partly due to the soundtrack. Cosmic Castaway has been... Awesome. I mean, what's so interesting <laughs> about that, not only... So it was on, on the Titan E soundtrack, as were a lot of other songs, and it gets some plays from that. But what's really fascinating about Cosmic Castaway, it had a life of its own from about 2000 and... I don't know, 2005, six onwards, through, through about 2015. All these people used it, and they used to do these gaming cuts, right? They, 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 all these gamers would make cuts of their sort of favourite gaming sequences of them playing stuff... And they'd use that as the the background song. So, and there's there's videos on YouTube with like a million streams of like some gamer, you know, like oh here's my or they'd make this fan made videos for Cosmic Castaway. So it had a complete life of its own beyond the movie. It was sort of this real cult sort of thing in this whole gaming world thing. Which, to be honest, I had no idea about up until I think I sort of stumbled across this stuff somewhere about 2012 or something, by which time it all, you know, it was already, there were already millions of streams on YouTube for this thing. It was just very odd. It was, it was a whole sort of subculture thing that um, was really interesting. And the crazy thing is, is like when we finished all of the, the Arista uh, record company side of stuff and went out to our own countries <laughs> so it's like youtube didn't even exist yeah right, right you know so all of this stuff is we missed the social media thing completely you know yeah. that's how it's like we were too completely in the wrong time for what we were doing we didn't we were we were too late to be like making it through the old circles of um right you know, these top of the pops and selling physical stuff and then of course napster blew it all the Part. and then we went our way and there were no smartphones or streaming or youtube or myspace or facebook there was there was none of that it was like um forums you know private forums yeah. i mean it's isn't it nuts how much it has changed now yeah incredible you know? incredible really so i can't wait to see your new album but i must ask you gents what are you listening to at the moment so what what's on your speakers at the moment whether it's old or new, what are you guys consuming at the moment? What are you enjoying? Blimey, electricity at the moment. <laughs> Great new bad electricity I've just heard of. Well, I tell you, we've been, we suddenly, you know, Steve sort of six, seven weeks ago went, right, this release date, first single there, second single there, third single there, album release there, right, okay. It's literally, it's that, that's how it happens. <laughs> So we put it out and then suddenly two weeks ago, we're sort of like, obviously we're chatting on Messenger, we've got these group chats and we're like, well, shouldn't we do some sort of video for this? So literally, so the last two weeks we've been cobbling together, running around with, you know, phones, filming ourselves and doing time-lapse things. And so I literally, uh, pretty much all I've listened to is the single. We've been working so hard with Jim, bless him, over in um, 
Australia, who's been sort of putting all this together. And uh, I think it's, what do you reckon, 95% oh, yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it should might be, be putting it out on YouTube and various other places soon. But, um, yeah, literally, that I can I cannot think of anything else I've been listening to. That's, that's, that is awful, but that is the truth. That's commitment for you. What about you, Nigel and Steve? Is it the same for you? or is it, 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 it could definitely get a little sort of, what's the word? sort of um myopic but no i mean there's a f- i mean i don't know yeah the last few weeks i don't know but be, just going back a little further just the stuff i've been really like that's there's a band that i got into a couple of years ago a lot and actually went to see a few times and um and there's a band called, called drab majesty i don't know if you're familiar with drab majesty if you check it out the song called cold souls that i have they're very sort of like sort of 80s new wave sort of indie sort of sound it's almost like new order but with a totally different sort of vibe on on it um but yeah love the guitars on that that's definitely that whole sort of 80s guitar sound. i don't know there's something really cool about that i've been liking that a lot oh, i don't know other stuff i mean obviously and you know still from time to time i still do listen to rush so i mean you know it doesn't doesn't it doesn't go away you know <laughs> but but at this point i probably know every note of every song so much it's hard to listen to it because there's not much there that's still yeah. sort of a surprise right you know but yeah, I think I've also really loved bands like Silver Sun Pickups, which I know is not that new now, but um, sort of newer, at least. I actually love some of their sound. And there was that new album they had. I say it was new, it was probably four years ago now, but I did see them a couple of times when they were touring. But yeah, I mean, honestly, the last, to be honest, once you start working on a record like we have been, and then, like you said, rehearsing now and, and preparing for everything, I've not been listening to a lot of anything no. else. <laughs> Rehearsing noise is definitely oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Everything yeah, eclipses. It's, it's, um, yeah, we've got we've got the list of songs and we've got the playlists and they've been issued. And yeah, I've not listened to anything else because yeah, for me as well, it's lyrics. It's sort of like oh, okay. Um, and if I write them out, I will never stop reading off a cheat sheet. Right, and it's right. it can't be done. So I just have to. That's it. It's just constant. And in terms of first singles, let me take you back. Because I always like to ask people about the first singles they ever bought and their experience. Gents, what was the first thing? I'll start with you, Steve. What was the first single you ever bought and what are your memories of buying that? I don't know if I ever bought a single. I remember winning some singles at a school disco, some silly dance competition. Maybe I had the status quo move going like, like a good one, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but they were all crap. It, it was probably like... I, that was in the 80s, so yeah, it's like the DJ just wanted to get rid of all of his singles. So look, you're never going to play any of that, are you? <laughs> I was no, I was buying albums to be honest. What, um, what was the first album you bought, Steve? Let me take you back into the album. What what was the first album you got? Uh, it'd be Status Quo. Um, what's the one? Oh, I think it's the one with Rain on it and pictures of Mattress McMahon. I can't remember the name of the album. That was vinyl, and I haven't got my vinyl now. I want it back. <laughs> yeah, probably worth a few quid as well, I'd imagine. Probably what... worth a mint. Oh, sorry, <laughs> got played so much. Like that—that that was proper quo, you know. Those early, that was like '76, so that was released, I think. Wow. And what about you, Nigel? What was the first record that you bought? Remember that? So uh, the very—I only bought one single ever in my life, ever, and it was actually a, a record that was released by a local band in Haverford West, and a, a bit like Ali. It was a band that came and played at our school, 
and was for me a massive pivotal moment, right? I, same deal. I was at school, I was probably 12, 13, and this local band from another school came to play at our school. And I saw them on the stage, and the guy had a blue Rickenbacker, which I now have. And, <laughs> and, and that was like, I don't know, there was something about that. I was like, oh my God, I want to do that. And um, I actually, they, had, they were called X Collector. They were from Milford Haven. And um, they had a single, and I bought that single. So that was the first single I bought. But actually, the first sort of then not local thing that I ever bought was probably around about the same time. And I actually bought the cassette tape, because I didn't have a record player, um, album, the Musical Youth album that had passed the Duchy on it and all that stuff, right? Uh. I, I used to love that. I listened to that a lot. The bass lines. I think that's actually one of the first things I started playing bass would have been that reggae stuff on um, Musical Youth. So there you go. That was my first record. Amazing. What about you, Ali? Again, a little bit like Steve. I, I always had a, I was an avid listener to the radio and always wanted to know, you know, what the top, what was going on with the top 40. So there's my pop sensibilities and really grew up listening to, I guess, what my parents were digesting, which was, well, certainly from my sister would have been Prince. My mum was Roxy Music, The Eagles. My dad, I remember the uh, early Cream album with all the vegetables on the, the, uh, mm. the great bits. Um, so I was getting a fair old mashup there, but definitely all very bandy, sort of strong sort of songs would be an I liked a good song. I like Glenn Campbell early sort of, you know, or Mullock Tire and Wings and you know, this this these songs stick with me and ABBA from being, you know, like in late seventies. Um but really I suppose my first record I I do remember buying Run DMC and Aerosmith, Walk This Way. And I remember before that I do remember buying a madness single, but really for me, the I, I kind of discovered the music that I went out and then sort of seek for myself would have been like the electro crucial, the early sort of hip hop, the electro crucial range, the Sugar Hill Gang, and all of that sort of stuff. You know, definitely, I would have been sort of eight or nine, I think, when I discovered that. I can't even remember how I just found out. It's probably on television. Saturday morning kids TV or something probably saw some you know young kids doing breakdancing in New York on vinyl with a you know a beatbox and that was it I was hooked and uh yeah it's never really left me that but yeah so not not singles but again the radio used to listen to it always wanted to know what was going on top of the pops everywhere used to follow it yeah some sort of classic sort of 70s and 80s stuff there courtesy of mum and dad I think and this podcast is all about getting our guests to collect their fancy festivals. Are you guys big fans of festivals? I mean, when I was doing my research, I saw that you'd actually played Glastonbury mm. on the other stage. I mean, that must have been an incredible experience. But are you guys a fan of the festival? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just to go, I mean, I think you've got to go VIP, no doubt about it. <laughs> I, you know, it's, uh, certainly now on this stage, I think back then. But even then, you see, we were doing the festivals as VIPs because we was playing them. Oh, I've been yeah. to plenty of festivals, not as a VIP. When I, was a student, <laughs> I went to Glastonbury in 1990, saw the yeah. Happy Mondays. Oh, my God, yeah, no, I mean, so I used to, we used to go to... Uh, I've been to plenty of festivals, not as a VIP, long before we played at any of them. But, yeah, I always loved them, absolutely loved them. And in terms of favourite gigs, then, do you guys have a favourite gig? This could be as you as an artist on the stage, or this can be you as someone who's watching an act in front of you. Do you have... A favourite gig where you're the stars of a line and you've gone, this is just the ultimate? For me, it would be Pearl Jam at Brixton Academy. Um, yeah. 
together. Eddie Vedder walking out behind Candelabra. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, just him singing, and it was just like his voice just buried inside your soul, you know. It was just, never, ever forget it. Incredible. And the band, when they kicked in, just massive. <laughs> and we were like, we went far away from the front, not in the moshy sort of area. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just incredible. Yeah, yeah. What a band. Christ. We went and saw, funnily enough, you talk about Nigel Clark playing with us at Cheltenham. We went to, did you come with us to, was it Taunton? It was some sort of gym hall. Can you remember that? Yeah. Oh, uh, God knows. Was, it, that was crazy. That was like, it was. that was the 93. And yeah. um, they were basically touring the Dodgy album, first yeah. album. And Hammond, big PA, uh, they had this shitty big like Mercedes <laughs> van thing that they probably slept in or yeah. tried to sleep with like, blacked out windows. Just like really random gig that was like, it was almost like you didn't need a ticket. You could just walk in through a side door and it yeah. was just, just the, the band were there on the stage and it was all like smoky. Everyone was smoking and there were lights, massive PA, Hammond blaring out, Telecaster, AC30, bosh, bosh, you know, Nigel Clark fronting it like, God, you wouldn't believe it. Like, they were fucking amazing, you know. Mm. That was that was inspiring, like, to for, like, to see live music, you know, played like that. Um, and it's it's hard to do now. Mm. I mean... I, I think we were in golf with the live music. Financially, shit, you know. Yeah. We were so lucky to see that stuff. We, we we were lucky, I think, being in the West Country, there, like you talk about the Railway Inn, but there was such um in Yeovil at the Quicksilver Mail and then down to Weymouth, sort of Thornton, Exeter, there was such a healthy local live music scene back in sort of like the early 90s. And we were mm. a part of that, and it just, it was just part of your... um everyday life you know you you look at the local gig guides you probably be playing a friday night or a saturday night or possibly a sunday night and we were gigging every week and there were other bands gigging you know if you were playing you could always go out into yeovil or weymouth or somewhere or taunton and go and see you know a pretty good band playing somewhere whether it was blues or rock or or you know even a bit sort of soul review funk and all sorts of stuff but we were very lucky i think in that period certainly from weymouth that there were just lots of musicians around lots of good musicians and were making a living you know from just playing so i think we were lucky from that point of view i just want to go back to your question for a minute because there's a couple of interesting things that you talked about the favorite gig so i do have and it's pertinent to what we were just talking about as well. In terms of our favourite gig, in terms of my recollection of the favourite gig I did, we, you know, we did with the band, that probably would actually be that gig at Glastonbury. One of the things that was so amazing about that was, and I still remember this to this day. So this was, you know, we played there. I think about a year after Morning Afterglow had been top twenty, and you know, we, I think we closed the set with Morning Afterglow, and the sun's beginning to come down, and. It was the last song. I'm just hearing all these people singing along. It was Morning Afterglow. It was just amazing. Absolutely incredible. It was just a, one heck of a moment. So that that definitely would be one of my favourite. And there were so many great gigs we got. We did tons of yeah. them. All so good. But that, that moment stands out as being a bit special. I mean, also, it's probably the biggest audience we played to, I think. I don't know. I'm not sure. But certainly 
And then funnily enough, in terms of favorite gigs I've seen, so we actually, um, I've seen the band Muse three times, twice when they supported us, once at a surfing festival in Cornwall in like 1995 or something. And then they were our support band at like Exeter Uni or something like that in like 98 when Morning After Glow was out. So we saw them twice then. I always enjoyed them. When we first saw them, they were like a they were like 16, 17, this scrappy little band playing at a surf festival, but they were, they were good. But uh, but then when we saw them at Exeter, they were supporting us there. And I thought oh, they, they were good. Their first album, I think, had just come out. And I think I like that song, Muscle Museum. But then I saw them, I think, you know, in 2008 or nine or something, playing here in LA at the um, Staples Center. <laughs> that was my third time seeing Muse. And that was just after their fourth album came out, and they were just phenomenal. I mean, that was just an unbelievably amazing show. The performance was fantastic. That was definitely one of the, especially playing in that size of venue. I mean, Brixton Academy, I love that venue. And unfortunately, is it closing? I don't know. I know it was, people were protesting about that it might be closing, because that size of venue is just the ultimate, right? I would have, I got to see Rage Against the Machine do a warm up gig in Oxford with 300 people in a small club and it was just mind-blowingly amazing because you don't get to see a band that good and that powerful in that size of venue very often right you know um i would have loved to have seen acdc back in the day in some small can you imagine in a in a you know i saw yeah. them once at wembley and it's like where are my binoculars you know it's just not hmm. it's not much it's just i don't know just don't enjoy that very much so for a band like muse to actually make a place of like twenty thousand people actually into a you know really good gig i thought was quite astonishingly good because it's not not an easy thing to do sounds like yeah. you guys have seen some amazing gigs and now you guys get to collate your fantasy festival which i'm looking forward to immensely so like i said at the top of the podcast the aim of the fantastic was getting our guests to collate their fantasy festivals so these gents get to choose any five acts and an encore which all five of the acts can play together to end their fantasy festival so in the last episode of the podcast i had the marvelous ronan o'connor on from the brilliant band senses and he created his la superba fantasy festival in his opening slot he had dictator a new band up and coming from scotland who are fantastic in his super seconds act he picked michael head and had him play hms fable in his midway madness slot he picked tess parks and anton newcomb in his pre-headline act slot he went for primal scream and for his headline act ronan picked spiritualized and had them all play the track ladies and gentlemen we are floating in space as his encore so for any first time listeners a very simple premise and setup so before we get to talk about your five acts first we have to give your fantasy festival a name and give it a venue somewhere so i don't know if this has been done as a collective gents or if one of you's got a good title that you're going to just shout out or i don't know the thinking behind it but do you have a name for your fantasy festival at all Coffee in the Garden. Okay, all right, there we go. All right. So instead of tea at the park, we got coffee in the garden. All right. Okay, so coffee in the garden, and I guess the thinking behind that is that you guys never got to play tea in the park, which is a slant on that. It's actually quite a clever slant on that, actually. Now I'm actually reading it back to myself because I think <laughs> Steve was saying the generator blew up. Yeah, it was such a bummer. We were so looking forward to it. We, I forget we. Loving him from Leeds or something, we were doing something there, and, and we got there, and we were so looking forward to this festival appearance, and then, yeah, the generator blew up, and the entire stage, that whole day of everything was cancelled. The one day, the one stage that we were playing on, done. End of story. No redos, no sort oh. of like, oh, we'll fit you in somewhere else. No, just boom, done. So we did get to do an acoustic thing on the tour bus, 
we played Morning Afterglow and they videoed it. I think somebody got married at the festival, so they kind yeah. of this little sequence. But that was that was our tea in the park experience. But I do remember, and I don't know if this would be anybody else's five, but I got to see the Prodigy at that. And I just remember when they they played Smack My Bitch Up and they started off. And then when the bass and drums came in, I was probably about 100 yards from the stage. And I just remember the bass and drums coming in and I just got blown backwards like about it. It was just unbelievable. It was just like, so that was that was cool. I remember that about tea in the park. But yeah, coffee in the garden. All right. So there you go. We finally we've right. established a name for the festival. All right. Coffee in the garden. All right. Okay. Good. And we can hold coffee in the garden anywhere you like. So obviously, Nigel, you're in LA. You've mentioned the Staples Centre. Steve, you mentioned some really old school venues about where you grew up. Lovely, like little tiny gigs. Ali, we can go to wherever you want to go. I can see you're wearing a BST Hyde Park t-shirt. You can take us to Hyde Park if you want. So we can go anywhere in the world, big or small. Gents, anywhere you want to want a hold coffee in the garden? I I personally, I, I love, we toured uh, quite extensively with a band from the West Country called, oh, the name is Root Juice. Oh, Root Juice, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, I don't know, we just had some really, really rowdy little get i remember there's a oh, place yeah. um some pub there's a windswept beat so very so i you know i'm i'm all I, I i could quite happily have a weekend festival down in cornwall as long as the weather was good a fistral beach single yeah there you go on the beach there you go on the, coffee in the garden at the beach on, on yeah. the, there you go i like it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, down in Cornwall. I'm there for that. I, I, I'll yeah. come up for that. That sounds great. <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. So we've got coffee in the garden taking place at the beach in Cornwall. We'll make sure there's loads of coffee stalls as well to make sure it's all relevant. So you guys get to choose five acts. So you get an opening act, super seconds, midway madness, a pre-headline act and a headline act. So again, I don't know how conjoined you've been, or if you've got a five or if you've all got individual ideas or whatever. But gents... As a starting point, who would you like or one of you like to open your fantasy festival? The floor is yours. I'm going to start. I'm just going to leap in. I'm going to take yeah. it. Ali, I'm going to take your suggestion. If we're doing a fantasy festival down at the beach in Cornwall, let's have Root Juice open up. Come on. I mean, you just said we told you them. They got to open the festival. They were brilliant. Oh. They actually saw them once. At, at, well, we saw them hundreds of times. But saw that before we even knew them, Saw them in Plymouth at like I don't know whatever that venue is that is sort of main one. That they were fantastic, brilliant yeah. live. Band. What a great kickoff! I mean, if you had a festival, Root Juice would kick that thing off. Boom, away you go. They would be brilliant. So I've said one. You guys take some other ones, but like that's that's my suggestion for starting it off. Root Juice to kick it off. I love it. So Root Juice are going to play from two till three o'clock. We'll take a half hour break, at, and that takes half past three, and it'll be time for our super seconds act. So Steve or Ali. Floor is yours. Who are you going to have to follow Root Juice? I, I, I've got some. Like, staying on the theme of, you know, bands, local. Un, I would love, I do remember one really, really sweaty night in Verdi's. Um, <laughs> when they all? Really, really sweaty night in Verdi's in Weymouth. When the band Orange oh, were, yeah. Yeah. were on. And I believe Marco was playing guitar that night and Chris Page was on it wasn't the final but it was that setup as Alan on bass Rick was singing it was Marco on guitar and Chris on drums and oh my fucking god and they were they kicked ass for about and so I would love Orange that that particular version of them probably to sort of go in after yeah after Root Juice that would be nice there you go. <laughs> was, that, was that Ricky 
Was that Ricky um, singing then? Ricky from Orange? Ricky, yeah, yeah. Ricky Corcoran was singing back then, yeah. And I think before they ended up with Tony and Luke and, you know, they originally it was Marco on guitar and, well, you just, you know, what a great live player, great musician. And, yeah, and Chris <laughs> on drums and, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was stunning. So I'd have to, I'd certainly have them after Reduce. Brilliant. Mm. So two new okay. bands onto the fantastical r- roster. So Orange are going to follow Root Juice. Orange play from half three to half four. We'll take another half hour break. Then it'll be time for our Midway Madness Act. So we're going to play between five and six. Steve, Nigel's had a go. Ali's had a go. You can pick Midway Madness, mate. Who are you going to pick to Midway Up Our Madness? Bro, I'm going to split this set. And it's going to start with Thomas Hughes. Mr. Thomas Hughes from okay. Wayne. Psychedelia okay. Hammond. Yeah. Okay in his band called Triops, okay? And yeah. that's going to blend into the Lucky Bishops. Oh, mate, I've got that written down there. Sorry, mate, you stole Orange off me. <laughs> no, there you go. No, I like that. Pretty superb, Steve. So there we are. And um, and so Lucky Bishops will be definitely playing um, London Lounge. Probably people will ask for that twice, I should think. Yeah, um, and then we're into the next set. I think that'd be a nice, yeah, nice midway sort of thing going on there. All right, I'm going to allow it. So we've got Thomas Hughes and his band Triops, and then following them, the Lucky Bishops in your midway madness slot. Not two bands who I know, but I look forward to listening to. And this podcast is all about hearing new music or music that isn't yeah. new but old from back in the day. So great choices there. So we've got our first three acts. Take another half hour break. It'll be time for our pre-headline act from half six till eight o'clock. So I'll throw the floor open again to any of you gentlemen who want to put forward an act to be pre-headliners. Gents, who do you want to put out there as a pre-headline act? Well, I mean, does that, I guess does the headline band have to be a band? It's surely we have to put the headline band has to be a known entity. Completely up to yeah. you. It's your fantasy festival. You can have Biddy No Mates in your fantasy festival headliner well, if you I, want I was, to. I've got a suggestion for the pre-headliner, Ali. Maybe you got. But I, I was, you know, we were talking about it earlier, and you guys were talking about this band, and of course he's supporting us up in Cheltenham. But I think Dodgy would be a great call for that pre-headline moment, right? So you're kind of you're starting to, and it's a bit of a transition from okay, new music or stuff you might not have heard of to. Okay, now let's transition into something, you know, that uh, is this, you know, and I mean, dodgy from that era as well. I mean, my God, that Hammond, come on, wheel it on the stage, get it out. It's a festival. Let's go. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just going to be brilliant. So I think that would be a good shout as to really get ramping things up for the for the final, final moment. Great yeah, shout. Like. Great shout. So dodgy, your pre-hairline act. It's great to see dodgy kind of on the way back now. So obviously they're celebrating, I think the 25th anniversary of Free Peace Suite and playing some big old oh. venues out and about, which is great yeah. to see. So Absolutely. long may that continue and great to see other bands like Cast and Space, other bands from that era all come and celebrate what they achieved as, you know, a lot of guys uh, who will be coming along to watch you guys as well be reminiscing and, and hearing songs that they grew up with, which is a fantastic achievement. Yeah. All right, so Dodgy, your pre-headline act. We've got one more act. We're going to get two and a half hours from half eight till 11 o'clock we've spoken about some big acts we've mentioned rush we mentioned pearl jam we mentioned zeppelin i know there's a zeppelin connection because obviously listening to the album earlier i know there's a zeppelin cover on there but obviously guys the choice is yours only one act can take your headline slot so who's going to headline coffee in the garden oh my gosh <laughs> well i 
Not well. I I've got one. I, yeah. No, I can't say. It's got to come from one of the others. No, it can come from you, Ali. Come on, <laughs> go on Ali. You <laughs> you take it. Bring you it in. It. Yeah, bring it in. Bring it in. I was going to suggest uh, Jeff Buckley or someone who's who's missing. Okay. Okay. What um, I will do, I don't normally do this. I'm going to allow you to split the headliners because there's three of you and it's <laughs> convoluted a little bit. So you can have two headliners and we'll do it as a joint. That's what I'm prepared to do for you, gentlemen. I've never done this before in 126 episodes. Right, wow. We could, okay. invent a new, we could invent a new band made up of numerous... A super group, yeah. <laughs> so Jeff Buckley yeah, picks it up and then Ali, what has he peered up? Jeff Buckley singing, yeah. Yeah, well... To be honest, Nigel mentioned them earlier, and I believe that for whatever reason, I I was in Oxford on the same night, but doing something very different oh, from yeah, yeah. being at, um, a gig with three hundred people in. Um, no, no, um, it's, 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 it's the only way to go. It's the only way to go. <laughs> Got to be Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine with Jeff Buckley. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't get any better than that, does it? I mean, come on. That's incredible. <laughs> Hallelujah into, uh, you know, killing in the name of. Perfect. <laughs> That's an incredible headline act. So Jeff Buckley with Rage Against the Machine are going to headline Coffee in the Garden. And at 11 o'clock, they're going to finish and bring back out Dodgy, Thomas Hughes, Triops, The Lucky Bishops, Orange and Root Juice. Mm. And they all get to play one song i'll even let electricity come back out at this point electricity if you want to you might be drunk you might be you can do be doing whatever you want you don't have to come out you can if you want to but you'll get to play one final song to close coffee in the garden it could be any song ever recorded by anyone what song would you have all of your lineup played together God, Nigel's itching to say aren't you all right i am but the thing is they would have already played it in their set right, right. judy over the rainbow would just be such a cool... Because, I mean, obviously, you could... Hey Jude is always the... You know, but everyone does that. It's like, oh, my God, yeah. How many times do we have to hear Linda McCartney going... But I think someone... You know, Judy over the rainbow. Everybody doing a sort of extended choruses on that would be absolutely pretty fantastic. I think you could have some fun with that. Except, of course, Orange would have already played it in their set. Unless they secretly kept it until later but that'd be tricky seeing as that was their one and main hit um, <laughs> it'd be difficult not to play that but it would be good unless everybody plays comfortably now i mean you know one, one of the two whichever, whichever whatever they want to go with they can go with all right so let's lock the fantastical wins so we've got coffee in the garden taking place on the beach in cornwall your opening act we've got root juice super seconds we've got orange midway madness we're splitting between thomas hughes and the lucky bishops pre-headline act we've got dodgy and headlining, we're splitting again as Jeff Buckley will play with Rage Against the Machine. And for your encore, all of your acts are going to play Judy over the rainbow together. Sounds amazing to me. Gents, Electricy, are you happy with that? Yeah. Sounds like a night and a half to me. I, I would go and drink dry cider all night at that festival. <laughs> amazing. So that is locked in. So before we finish in, gents, obviously, new single just out. New album on the way, two live dates that I can tell you're so excited about and sound incredible. I mean, what did the next month is there a plan after that? I mean, what's what's the plan once the album's out and those gigs are done? Are you looking that far, or is it just literally take it as it comes? I think it's a bit of a mixture. There's a bit of take it as it comes. I think also, though, I mean, it would be great. Like, we've definitely had some offers. You know, there's some of the sort of Britpop revival festivals type things that are, you know, beginning to happen happened last year. So we've had some offers from those types of things, which we weren't really in a position to do this year. 
but maybe next year if we can get a bit of momentum around things because obviously just doing a gig for us is quite an endeavor <laughs> it's like it's really not a trivial thing to arrange but we're, we're doing these gigs so you know it would be great i think next year then to perhaps be able to do something a little bit more extensive um but it's at this point it's a it's a gleam in our eye you know what i mean it's not like anything locked in but but there you know there are definitely dates i think there if we can figure out how to make all that happen which hopefully this will sort of get the ball rolling enough to be able to do that and i think you know definitely oh another record i mean i think we're now that we've got going, it's like, let's, you know, let's do it. I, I, Ali said something to, in, to me when I was, I visited the UK, it was like a month or two ago, whatever, I was there, um, actually got to go down to Haverford West for a little bit, and then I saw Ali in London, and we were in the pub, and you said something really, really awesome, and you said, look, we're not do this now, when the hell are we going to do this? And it's just like, yeah, this is it, like, you know, we just got to do it. So it was such a good, I don't know, an excellent thing, so... We're not getting any younger, and, and I'm and, the young in the band. And you're the youngest, yeah. <laughs> I'm the oldest. That's worrying. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's like, what what else are we going to do? You know, it's like this yeah. is it's so enjoyable. Music has been a part of all of our lives for thirty yeah. years, and it hasn't gone away. It's like it's still just as strong, just as powerful. So yeah, there's no super plan. We're not. We're not encumbered by a record company at this point, and I think encumbered is a good word because they've always been a bit of an encumbrance for us, no matter how you, how you, you sort of do it. So, you know, there's there's no sort of super high-level plan, but, I mean, yeah, I think another album and bigger tour. How about that? Simple answer. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, I just got to kind of see, see what it does, you know. So for the meantime, maybe in... Four, maybe four gigs instead of two. Four gigs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's double the odds. <laughs> so let's shout about the live gigs in. So Thursday the 22nd of June at the Frog and Fiddle in Cheltenham, right? So yeah. um, that is the first yeah. one. And Friday 23rd of June at the 100 Club with City Lights. Both gigs are going to be absolutely amazing. So please make sure to do that. And let's plug the album again, Jen. So back over to you. Let's have one more plug for the new album. Okay, so July the 15th, 2023. We've got, is it our fifth album? Yep, fifth album. Okay, uh, so our fifth album, To the Other Side, uh, will be coming out. And prior to that, we've got we've just had a single release now, A Million Pictures. We've got another single coming out next month called June Easing Soul. Yeah. Uh, and then the month after that, we've got another single coming out called I Tried, followed by To the Other Side and two gigs. So, And, and Steve, where do, where do people go for the tickets for the gigs? Oh, just anywhere on social media. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned social media. Ask a neighbour. <laughs> Ask a neighbour. But if you look on Spotify, they all have links. All of the, yeah. like Spotify Bandcamp, they all have links to the gig. I think you can click on them and they, I forget the website that, is, that the tickets are going through, but they all have links to those things where you can figure it out. Mm. So gents... If anyone wants to keep on top of what is going on Electricity, they can do so on social media. I believe you're on most social media channels, guys. Let's have a plug and tell us where you can find and follow Electricity. Nice. That's got to be your... I'll, I'll speak because Steve actually is the... I was going to say, I don't know if social media guru is quite the word, but Steve actually does a lot of this stuff. But given his internet connection at this point, I'm not going <laughs> to risk it. But at Electricity on Twitter, then obviously Electricity on Facebook, um... 
We are on Instagram. We probably don't do as much on Instagram as we should do, but Twitter, Facebook, you know, you'll find it all on those sort of places. Um, and at electricity.co.uk as well, I think. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. So that is it. Thanks to everyone for listening to the 126th episode of the Fantastical Podcast. And if you've enjoyed this one, please subscribe. You can give the Fantastical Podcast a review on iTunes or you can rate the show on Spotify. That's very important. So please do either of those if you can do. And like Electricity, the Fantastical Podcast is also on Twitter. So please make sure to give us a follow at Fantastical P. We're also on TikTok at Fantastical Podcast. I'm still quite getting my head around. And you can also email the podcast at fantasticalpodcast at outlook.com. Unfortunately, on this podcast, we don't play any music, but I'll get some tracks from the gents who have joined me tonight. We'll make a nice Spotify playlist of all the acts I've spoken about and throwing some other tunes in there as well. That'll be in the episode description. So just scroll down uh, on the episode and you will find a nice little link there and go and listen to it and find some new bands. So Steve, Nigel, Ali, it's been a pleasure having you all on. How have you found it? Talk about music. You all seem very close and united and very excited about it. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, but how have you found it coming on the podcast? Awesome. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks for having us, Steve. It's been great. Cheers, Ali. Steve, should we try and get you to say something because your internet's been playing up for the last 20 minutes? Let's, let's have a farewell from Steve if we can. The dog's whining to have a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a hell of a way. Do you get that? <laughs> ironically we got that in the end steve amazingly but gents good luck with the album i look forward to seeing you in london i'm going to try and come along to that i look forward to that it's going to be a great show city lights are also a superb band i look forward to meeting the three of you then so i'll be back next week with episode number 127 so please make sure to join me but until then stay safe my fantastical friends please continue to spread the word and that word is fantastical thanks for listening